Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. It's Wednesday, January 10th. I'm Peggy Lowe. Coming up, the children of non-English speaking immigrants are often used by their family members as informal interpreters. While many gladly help their family, the task often carries many pressures. It would just suck at first, especially because they would make me talk to adults. You know, I'm like, I'm literally 12 years old, like I barely know what they're saying. Democratic Governor Laura Kelly is again pushing for the Kansas legislature to expand Medicaid. She's hoping the 2024 election will add pressure to get it done. But Republican leaders say they have their own ideas, like cutting taxes and expanding school choice. Coming up, how the 2024 election could shape those policy fights in the legislature. But first, some headlines. Kansas City leaders are activating their plan to support unhoused residents as winter storms and extreme cold slam the metro. KCUR's Lawrence Brooks IV has more. The first major winter storm of the season has dumped several inches of snow, and the temperature forecast is expected to drop below zero over the weekend. Kansas City Manager Brian Platt said that getting the city's homeless population off the streets and into shelters is a top priority. Platt told KCUR is up to date that the city has added 150 extra beds this year for emergency weather events like this one. We coordinate very closely with our homelessness service providing agencies in town. They all know exactly where to bring people and what to do uh, during this cold weather. A total of 10 shelters will be open depending on the temperature. The plan will be in effect until April. Another racial discrimination lawsuit has been filed against the Board of Public Utilities in Wyandotte County. Here's KCUR's Sam Zeff. In a federal lawsuit, Lisa Casey alleges that she was the victim of discrimination, abuse, and harassment by her BPU supervisors. She also alleges she lost a promotion when that job went to the spouse of the utility's interim chief operating officer. Casey, according to a lawsuit, has worked for BPU for 30 years and has repeatedly been denied promotions and overtime. This is the ninth discrimination lawsuit filed against BPU since 2022, including one alleging disability discrimination. BPU says it doesn't comment on pending litigation. An urban farm and composting business in Kansas City must get a zoning change or risk being shut down by the city. KCUR's Savannah Holly Bates reports. Neighbors have long complained about the smell, noise, and traffic from Herbivore Urban Farm and Compost Collective KC, located in Brown Estates, north of Swope Park. Kansas City found the farm violated four city codes dealing with how its composting operation is run. Representatives for Herbivore objected to all violations. Co-owner Brooke Salvaggio said that Herbivore is trying to talk with its neighbors to resolve their concerns. I'm telling you all from the bottom of my heart, we care, we want to find solutions. We want to see everyone thrive. If the farm does not apply for rezoning within six months, the city will fully enforce the violations. That would mean the compost operation would temporarily be shut down. Kansas City Today returns after this break. This podcast is looking for good deals on great food, but sometimes we need to grab a bite late at night. What are some of your favorite late night happy hours in the KC Metro? Text us at 816-601-4777. 
That's 816-601-4777. Standard texting rates apply. Across the U.S., thousands of children and young adults serve as informal interpreters for family members who don't speak English. Many of them find pride in being of service to their families, but experts worry that the responsibility may be a burden and that this pride may mask more serious long-term effects. KCUR's Zach Perez has more. For as young as they are, David Gabardon and Ashley Zoe Cruz Ayala have spent a lot of time speaking with doctors, school administrators, and government employees, often talking about things that had nothing to do with them. Instead, they were doing a job many of America's medical, educational, and governmental workers can't do, interpret for their families, who are non-English speakers. It's like, hey, uh, David, you're up from school. You're, you're not working. Can you take your grandfather to his appointment? I think when I was like 12, honestly, I started interpreting for my parents. Gabardon, a 24-year-old admissions recruiter at Johnson County Community College, and Cruz Ayala, an 18-year-old high school senior at Shawnee Mission North, have both spent years acting as informal interpreters, known as language brokers, for their parents and grandparents. It's a practice that's common in immigrant families across the U.S. According to data collected by the Annie E. Casey Foundation, over 50% of children living in immigrant families in the U.S. have at least one parent that has difficulty speaking English. Christy Moreno, a leader with the Education and Language Access nonprofit, Revolución Educativa, says that her work in Kansas City has shown her how widespread the practice is. I can just tell you experientially and from the grassroots work that we do inside schools and in the community that we see it happening every single day. The Civil Rights Act of 1964 mandates that any organization receiving federal funds must provide access to interpretation services when needed. But if institutions can't or won't provide them, young family members with better English skills are used to bridge the gap. Cruz Ayala says she became her family's primary interpreter at age 12. She moved to the Kansas City metro from La Paz, Honduras, with her mother and sister when she was nine years old. They would even pull me out of school if somebody had a doctor's appointment so I could go help translate. It would just suck at first, especially because they would make me talk to adults. You know, I'm like, I'm literally 12 years old, like I barely know what they're saying. Unexpected trips out of school and complex subject matter were commonplace, according to Cruz Ayala, along with the expectation of close to perfect translation. And my mom would get mad at me because she's like, tu hablas ingles? And I'd just be like, mom, like, I just don't understand. Like, I don't know how to explain it to you. Despite these high demands, Cruz Ayala says her family is supportive about her moving away to attend college. But she worries about how much her family has relied on her and about passing the responsibility onto her younger sister. It's going to be stressful for her because she doesn't like people and she doesn't like talking. But I kind of feel bad for her because now it is up to her to do that. I know she's going to call me. David Gabardon knows exactly what it's like to be handed that responsibility. He served as one of the main interpreters for his grandparents from the time he was 17 until he was 20, after his older sister left for college. His grandparents and mother first came to Kansas City's West Side neighborhood from Camargo, Mexico, in the mid-70s when his mother was a baby. They later moved to Roland Park, Kansas, where Gabardon grew up. Gabardon's mother and father both speak English, but he said his flexible schedule often meant he was an interpreter for his grandfather's doctor's appointments. My grandfather, he developed cancer and some other health problems, so he was going to, you know, doctor appointments every week. As a first-generation college student, he says he struggled to manage the responsibilities he had to family, school, and work. However, Gabardon believes the experience was beneficial, saying it helped him shape his choice of employment after college. Just trying to juggle everything, like not having somebody before me to guide me. That's why maybe I'm a recruiter to like help students in that similar situation, maybe, I don't know. 
Cruz Ayala also says she grew to appreciate her role as an interpreter, even crediting it with developing her professional communication skills and helping her choose to pursue a career as a nurse practitioner. Both say they found a sense of accomplishment in helping their families through their work as language brokers. However, Christy Moreno warns that that pride may mask hidden stressors they still carry. Um, there's a lot of research that reinforces pride. However, there are a lot of negative side effects too, and that all involves mental health. There are repercussions inside the home sometimes too. Neither Gabardon or Cruz Ayala say they feel any of these effects. But as interpreters continue to be a rare resource, families must balance their need for the language skills their children have with the risk of creating challenges for them and for the family later on. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Zach Perez. Democratic Governor Laura Kelly is kicking off the legislative session by again calling on the Republican-controlled Kansas legislature to expand Medicaid. That could provide health care to 150,000 low-income Kansans and include $700 million of federal funding. But GOP lawmakers say they have their own priorities, including cutting taxes and expanding school choice options. Kansas News Service reporter Dylan Lyson and editor Stephen Coranda discuss what issues will be up for debate and how they may affect the 2024 election cycle. The session is now underway, Dylan, and Governor Laura Kelly is again calling for lawmakers to expand Medicaid. But Republicans have rejected this idea quite a few times. Is there anything different about this year's plan? One of the big differences in this year's proposal is adding a work requirement restriction. Uh, Republicans have pushed for those kinds of restrictions for welfare programs in the past, and Kelly seems to be trying to meet Republicans in the middle. Um, That restriction would basically require people to either have a job or prove they're looking for work. Um, But Republicans have already rejected that idea. They criticize the plan because the federal government would need to sign off on it, and they don't think that would ever happen. So that all makes it sound, to me, like Medicaid expansion is likely to fail again this year. So why is the governor making it such a high priority? Right. So Kelly expected this could happen. Uh, Basically, 70 percent of Kansans say they support expanding Medicaid, and some Republican lawmakers also back the idea. And Kelly isn't shy about using Medicaid as a campaign piece. Every seat in the Kansas legislature is up for election this fall. She hopes public support for Medicaid expansion will either force Republicans to consider expanding it or cost them their seats in the state house next fall. They need to be responsive uh, to their constituents, uh, and I think they will feel that pressure, and I'm hoping they'll turn that pressure into action. Seems like she's hoping this issue could break the Republican supermajority that we know has been overriding her vetoes a lot in recent years. But right now, those Republicans are still very powerful. And what are they trying to do this year? Well, cutting taxes is going to be a major issue. Last year, Republicans pushed a flat tax bill that would have uh, cut about $330 million from the state budget. Uh, Kelly vetoed that plan because she said it would help the wealthiest Kansans the most and it would cause budget concerns down the road. But the state is on path to like nearly $2.8 billion in budget surplus next summer. So finding ways to give that money back to Kansans is going to be a major focus. School policies and education funding have also been big issues for Republicans in recent years. Uh, What are they looking at on the education front? Yes, Republicans say they want to try again on expanding school vouchers, which basically provide tax relief to parents who send their children to private schools. 
Um, last year, the legislature passed a bill that would have given up to $5,000 in tax credits for parents to use for private school or homeschooling. Uh, but Kelly vetoed that bill. Um, critics kind of argue it's a way to push public dollars to private schools. And Kelly says there aren't enough private schools in Kansas, particularly in rural areas, for there really to be that much of a benefit. Um, still, supporters argue it's a good alternative to public schooling. And House Speaker Dan Hawkins, who is a Republican, said in Wichita last month that it's a priority. Okay, so we have not heard the last of those school debates. And another debate that comes up year after year is medical marijuana. Kansas is one of only a few states where marijuana is not legal for medical or recreational use. Uh, Is medical cannabis on the table? So Senate President Ty Masterson has been an outspoken critic of medical marijuana. He argues it's a pathway towards recreational marijuana. Um, He says he doesn't reject the idea completely, though. He said on KCUR's Up to Date recently that it comes down to how medical marijuana is administered. I'm actually open to true medical marijuana or to palliative care or those. I am open to that. I am not saying no. I'm just saying we don't have any real studies on dosage and and, uh, distribution because you don't know where else do you smoke medicine? Still, it seems unlikely medical marijuana will make it through the legislature the way it is currently constructed. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Peggy Lowe. This podcast was produced by Anna Schmidt and edited by Gabe Rosenberg and Lisa Rodriguez. To learn more about our other podcasts, just go to kcur.org and click on Podcast and Shows. That's on the left-hand side of the page. And if you like Kansas City Today, please give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and stay warm. You listen to Kansas City Today every day because we're your local, reliable news source. You take us seriously. But now it's time to have some fun. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host Ari Shapiro is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org radioactive.